have all walked out of our house today and we kind of felt the cooler fall air. Kids are now back in school. Some college kids are heading back that way. We're heading into a new season um, for all of us. Some of us, maybe we're starting new jobs. Maybe we're getting back to pre-COVID norms. Um, But whatever it is, life is full of seasons. And so we're going to start in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 today. And we're going to talk about what to do with this new season of life. So Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and we'll start in verse 1. And and this verse is just kind of an affirmation that whatever season we're in, whether a good or a bad one, uh, that they will end and something new follows. And I hope that as we head into the fall, there will be some new seasons for us individually and for us as a church uh, to dive into. So Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 It says, there's an appointed time for everything, and there's a time for every matter under heaven, a time to give birth and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to shun embracing. A time to search and a time to give up is lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear apart and a time to sew together. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time for peace. What benefit is there for the worker from that in which he labors? I have seen the task which God has given the sons of mankind with which to occupy themselves. So those verses for me is just kind of an affirmation that there's time for all these things. There's a time for death and a time for life and a time to be born as Mark is celebrating and a time of death, which we celebrate the life of someone, but also mourn. Um, These new seasons can be good and bad, but there's an affirmation that these two pass away. And I was a part of the small group and we always talked about the highs and the lows, the roses and thorns, the happies and crappies. Of our week. And, and that's, that's very true to our seasons of life. There's some really good ones, and there's some that we wish would just pass quicker. But in all things, if you hear nothing else from this morning, God is in control of all of it. And those things we wish we could just get through faster are molding us and shaping us into who we need to become. And so as we move into this new season, um, my focus with the youth for this fall, this school year, is going to be evangelism. And I know that word for a lot of you freaks you out. Um, but I think it is so important that if we have this faith and we believe in Jesus, we need to do something with it, right? And it's more than just um, holding a door open for someone. It's more than just loving people. It's more than just coming to church even. But if we're not sharing our faith with the world, like Jesus called us to do, then we're not doing what he called us to do. So we're going to be in Matthew for most of the time today. So if you'll turn with me to Matthew 28, we'll start in verse 16. Now this passage of scripture is nothing new for most of us. This is the Great Commission. This is, um, most of us probably have this memorized by now. So Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 And it says, But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated to them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Now here's the key, the thing I want to focus on. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now this passage of scripture has been preached probably millions of times all throughout time. One of the most common passages of scripture. But the only part I want us to focus on is the beginning of verse 19. It says go. Now, go is an action word. We are called to go. We are called to um, move. And if we're not moving, if we're not going, if we're not in action, then we're pedaling backwards, not forwards. And as we keep reading that verse, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. I know some of you are like, ah, that's not for me. I'm not dunking people in water. I'm not a pastor. Um, But it doesn't say you have to be a pastor to do any of this. It says, go therefore and make disciples. So if we are disciples, if we are followers, we are called to go and make more disciples. But the important thing is to do it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to teach others the things that we are commanded from Jesus. But I want to focus on that word go, because I feel like that start, that newness, is terrifying for most of us. And I think the important thing to realize is that going only takes one step, and then another, and then another, and it builds, and it gets easier, and then we follow in the footsteps of Jesus. So today, if you are going to keep notes, I'm going to give us three ways to share Jesus with the world, three different ways, and all three work together. All three are important to each other, Um, and like I said, all three, you do not need a ministry degree. You do not need years of experience. There is no age requirement. So kids, adults, everybody in between, no one gets to opt out of this. And so the first one is to love the people in the world around you. Now, I know that sounds like a cop-out. Jesus called us to love, and we're going to look at that verse, um, Matthew chapter 22, verse 36, if you guys want to turn there. But sometimes this whole idea of loving other people in the world around us is easier said than done, right? Right? But then other times, it's the easiest thing that we could possibly do as Christians is to show love to other people. So Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 36, it says, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest, foremost commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two commandments hang the whole law and the prophets. Jesus said loving God and loving others is the greatest thing that we can do as Christians. And I think in today's world, this whole idea of loving other people has gotten confused with compliance, being okay with the way people live their lives. But as we look at the life of Jesus and how he lived his life and how he talked to people and how he reached out to disciples, he didn't mince words. Jesus didn't conform to their beliefs, but in fact, as the verse says, he conformed um, to the renewing of his mind to the Spirit of God. And as he called these people to follow him, we see some people take him up on it. They dropped everything. They left their nets, and they went and followed Jesus. But we see some, like the rich man, Jesus said, sell everything you have and follow me, and he couldn't do it. Jesus didn't then follow up and be like, it's okay, you have stuff, you can pay for dinner, let's go. Jesus said that was the one thing causing him to not follow God completely. And as we just read earlier, 
The two greatest commandments is to love God above all else and then to love others as ourselves. Jesus didn't mince words, and I, we live in a culture that we feel like we're going to offend anyone we talk to by selling, saying that Jesus loves them. That is not what Jesus wanted us to do. Jesus didn't want us to cower in fear of offending somebody or saying the wrong thing. He simply called us to go and to share Jesus with other people. He called all of us to be more than that. He called the church to be more than just being compliant. He called me to be more than that. And so that first thing sounds easy because we talk about all the time love is the most important thing, but it's a lot harder to love other people like Jesus loved other people. That's the first one, love. Number two is serving other people outside of the church. And I I probably said every time I've got up here and preached, I am so blessed and blown away by the amount that you all jump in and serve when there is a need. The fact that I'm even up here able to preach is because the nursery and junior church are taken care of, and I don't have to freak out and worry about it. Many of you serve on off weeks and help in the nursery. There's hands and feet. There's Um, happy stitchers, there's the worship team up here, there's the tech team back here, there's all these other teams that meet to make Sundays happen. And I am so thankful for all that everyone does. The deacons holding the doors open and beyond, uh, the trustees making sure these projects get to happen and they're able to happen. I'm blown away by the amount that you all serve this church. And so thank you. Thank you for all you do. But the question I've gotten for myself, and again, as I preach and prepare sermons, most of them are more for me than they are for you, so sorry about that, but, um, but my question for you is, without East Union Christian Church, without this building being here, how are we serving the world around us? And that revelation hit me as I was typing things out, and I was like, oh man, outside of the bridge in East Union, how am I serving the people around me? It's easy for me to be like, well, I serve people as the pastor of East Union Christian Church, as the director of the bridge. I, I help kids serve other people. I'm, I'm hitting this, the nail on the head here. But for me, these are in my job description. If I'm not doing these things, then I have a meeting and then you don't see me anymore. But what I want to get into the habit of is I don't want to serve because it's my job. I don't want any of you to feel like you have to serve this church because it's your job. It was a team you were thrown into. I want you all to serve out of the outpouring of your heart because Jesus loved you enough to die on the cross for you, and you want to do everything in your power to show other people that love. And if that's by holding the doors open at church, fixing the stuff around the church, helping with the kids and making sure they grow up in the way they should go, that's what you need to be doing. But it cannot stop here. In this room, in this building, Church happens, and this is a great place for us to get recharged and refueled and ready to go out there and to serve other people. And so, like I said, loving other people and serving other people, they seem like the cop-out church answers. Um, Every time I lead a Devo or something and I ask for, how do we love Jesus better? These are usually two of the ones that people will say. Pray more, read the Bible, love, serve. All these things are important. All these things are things we need to be doing. But my last thing of how we share Jesus with the world is through evangelism. Or I'll give you a different definition if that one freaks you out. Verbally expressing to others what Jesus means to us. And now I think that's where all this ties together. When we love other people, when we serve other people, but we're not saying anything about our love for Jesus, we're just doing good deeds. We're just good people at that point. 
But when we add this evangelism, when we add the verbally expressing what Jesus means to us, which can be as simple as a God bless after you do something, is the thing that we're missing. That's the thing that we need to be called Christians. We can serve and do good works. We can go on mission trips even, and we can tell people we love them and show them love. But if it's not followed up by what Jesus did for us, then it's not what Jesus would have wanted. Now, I'm going to share another story from my high school days, and I feel like every time I preach, I have a story from high school or college or something. And I don't want you all to think that it's just like, oh, I'm living in the past, and those were the best years of my life, because high school was a whole other story. But these things, and one of the reasons I became a youth pastor was these were formidable years for me. Middle school and high school is why I'm even here today is because I was in church, I was all in on youth ministry, and I made mistakes along the way, but if I wasn't surrounded by that stuff, if I wasn't in youth group, if I wasn't surrounded with friends and pastors that cared about me, I I wouldn't be here, I can tell you that much. And so I share these stories not to be like, oh, my high school years were great and I did all these cool things or I messed up real bad here. It's to show you that I became a youth pastor because this is the time where kids are figuring out who they are are figuring out what they want to be and gaining the confidence to do those things. And I don't share these because, well, if you're older than high school, you've missed the boat. I share it as an encouragement to to learn where I've messed up, to learn where I could have been better, and to um, dive forward. And so in youth group, I was a junior, I think, and so old enough to not be freaked out by talking to people. I was still freaked out talking to people. Um, I didn't want to sit with anyone new. And if I sat by myself, it wasn't because I couldn't make friends. It's because I just wanted my own time. Um, Now, of the two pastors here, one of us is born with this gift of gab to talk to anybody for a long, long, long time. And the other one is not. I will let you all make the assumption of who is who. (laughs) But But it doesn't mean I'm not called to share Jesus with other people. It doesn't mean that the other pastor is not called to share people or even just to sit quietly with people. Uh, We're all called to share Jesus with this world. And so again, in high school, I was a junior. My friend, who's super outgoing, had this gift of God. His name is Stephen. I don't know if he's going to watch this, but he might. Um, And he had this idea of taking a group of us guys from youth group, and we were going to go to the Dayton Mall in Ohio. And we were going to share Jesus with people. Now, I reluctantly say yes, because I don't want to be like, well, no, I'm not sharing Jesus with people. That doesn't look too good. And so I said yes. And that Sunday before we were going to head out, we were going to go after church, get something to eat, and then go to the mall. Um, I was trying to think of excuses. I didn't want to do it. And so in my head, I'm trying to, on my way to church, I'm like, well, I could say this. I could say I have homework. Something to get out of it. Because the fact of talking, one, to strangers terrified me. The fact that I was saying that something could potentially offend them double terrified me. And so we're at church. I'm working on my excuses of why not to do this. And then my youth pastor decides he wants to announce to the whole church and have us stand and say, we're all going to the mall to share Jesus with people. And so at that point, I now have a giant church, not giant church, medium-sized church, of hundreds of people now knowing I was supposed to go and share Jesus with people at the mall. So now I'm stuck. Now I have to go. And so we, we load up, we get some lunch, and we head that way, and we pair off in twos. And of course, I get stuck with my friend who's a lot like me, 
does not have this gift of gab and is terrified with talking to other people. So they paired us up really well. So we're walking and we're like nervously kind of hands folded, like looking at people. And we're like, what about that? We probably looked like the biggest creeps in the world. Like, oh, what about him? Oh, no, he looks really busy. He's talking to someone on the phone. And we're just making excuses of why not to talk to these people, right? And so finally, we're like, we just got to do it. We just got to tell. And all we were doing was we were saying, hey, Jesus loves you. How can I pray for you today? That's it. And so we finally got up the courage, got up the nerve to walk up to someone and say, oh, hey, Jesus loves you. And how can I pray for you? And the first couple were awesome. They were like, oh, thank you so much. Uh, this is going on in my life. And so in the mall, we stood there and we prayed with these people. Now, there were a couple that we would say this to as two high school kids. Uh, hey, Jesus loves you. How can we pray for you? And they politely were like, we don't believe in that, uh, but thank you anyway, and just walked away. That's as rude as anyone got that day, thank goodness. Um, but I remember about halfway through, there was a guy at a kiosk. He was sitting there. Um, wasn't talking to anybody, didn't have customers. We were starting to get cocky at that point, you know? We were getting comfortable with it. And so we're like, oh, we'll go talk to this guy. So we walk over and we're like, hey, Jesus loves you. How can we pray for you today? And he looks dead in the face, no smile, no anything. Grab my bag. And he had a messenger bag sitting in the chair over there. All those fears, being terrified, immediately came back. There was no more cockiness of sharing Jesus with other people. Because I don't know if you know much about Dayton, Ohio, especially 10 years ago. Wow, I'm old. Um, around 10 years ago, it was a rough neighborhood. There, uh, it wasn't the place you take your kids at night, I'll say that much. And so immediately, and after talking to my friend afterwards, we uh, were like, we thought we were going to die. We thought he had a knife or a gun or a something, I don't know, um, in that bag, and he was going to show us and tell us that he didn't want any part of it. And so reluctantly, we get the bag, we hand it to this guy. He reaches in the bag, I shove my friend in front, and, <laughs> and he pulls out a Bible. And immediately, deep breath of relief, and he's like, I just came from church and just with life stuff, was so discouraged about stuff. And we stood and talked to him for like 10 minutes, and we were able to pray with him about what was going on. And it was just, one, a huge sigh of relief because I thought I was going to die. Um, but also that we were able to be something for someone. We were able to be used by God uh, to make those, his day better. And as easy as that sounds for some of us to walk up to a stranger and be like, hey, Jesus loves you, how can I pray for you? For some of us, that's terrifying. And this whole idea of evangelism is terrifying. I, I know there's a missions team, and I heard it was called the evangelizing team, but no one showed up to the meetings because they were terrified of the whole idea of evangelism. And it's a scary thing. I don't want to discount that. And still, when I share my faith with people or I talk to someone I don't know, um, even if it's kids at the bridge or kids just in the neighborhood that I've never met and I know don't believe, um, I'm terrified that they're going to judge me, even though I'm now an adult. I'm married. I have kids. Uh, things they say shouldn't be able to affect me. But I think this fear is put in us by the enemy, that God wants us to be confident in our faith. Um, and again, it's not that we have went to, I keep wanting to say law school, but that's not right. Not that we went to uh, ministry school. Not that we even grew up in youth group or church. Uh, not that we 
uh, have all these hours. We've been in the church for this amount of years. This is something we are commanded and called to do from day one of us accepting Jesus. As terrifying as it is, we're called to be better than we think we are. Those first two things, to love and to serve, are great things, and we need to keep doing those things inside this building and outside this building. But that added layer of verbally expressing what Jesus means to us, to other people, um, is so essential and so important. And if we're not doing that, then we're not doing what Jesus commanded us. We're being good people. And Jesus called us to be so much more than just good people in this world. And this world today needs to hear the love of Jesus, but they don't need to hear the compliance of Jesus. They need to hear that he loves us, but we have to live our lives a certain way. We need to serve other people as Jesus served us by dying on the cross for our sins, not just in this building, because for me especially, it is easy to just be like, well, I'm serving people by getting stuff ready for junior church and doing this and running soup here and watering trees in Kirkland. Um, but in all these things, if we're not verbally expressing why we're doing it and what Jesus means to us, then we're missing the mark. We're missing the boat. And so that's my challenge for you today. Let's keep loving. Let's keep serving. But let's add that evangelism. Let's add that verbally expressing our love for Jesus to other people. Because then we become more than just a do-gooder. We become a disciple of Jesus. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy all the time. We lucked out in our experience at the Dayton Mall because it was we probably could have been shanked or whatever. But... Now you got none of you want to like tell people about Jesus. But it gets easier. When and when we started we were terrified, but the more and more we shared, the more and more we talked to people, it got so much easier. And that fear melted away until we thought we were going to get shot or stabbed or whatever. And so I want us to go back to the great commission. So if you'll turn with me again to Matthew 28 in verse 20. And I think the going and the doing all the stuff is important, but I don't want us to miss this last part of verse 20. Starting at the beginning, it says, teaching them to follow all I commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So as scary and as terrifying as all of this sounds, we have a God who is going to be with us through it all, who has um, not just given us a command and said, go, 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 but that the other side of it is that Jesus is here with us um, if we allow him to be, if we ask him to be. And so as we are sharing our faith, as we are doing life with those around us, family, friends, whoever it is, I hope and I pray that they will know us, they will know why we do these good things, why we love other people is because of Jesus. Uh, I was at the bridge a couple weeks ago and kids teens or teens, and they'll always come up to me and be like, so how much do you make doing this? And I try not to be like, well, I make this much money doing this, but I'm, I'm just like, I make enough to do this or to do that or whatever it is. And it was a rough night. Kids were everywhere. I'm pretty sure we broke something in the wall. I don't know. But I'm stressed out and I'm standing there and one of the kids walks up to me and he's like, why do you do this? He's like, you can't be making enough money to justify like hanging out with us all the time. And I'm like, and in that moment, I'm so glad 
God had a hold of me. I wasn't able to be like, well, I don't know why I do this. You all are just the worst. That's what I wanted to say. But I, I just simply said, it's because I love you all and I want what's best for you. And I want you to know that Jesus loves you too. And he turned around, skipped around, and I don't know if that impacted him. But that's, I want people to know that's the reason I do these things. I don't, I don't especially like to hang around with middle school and high schoolers all the time. Yes, it has its moments. It's so fun, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. But I do this because I've been instilled with this mission to love other people. Um, and again, I feel like these are the years that we form that. And so whether you're in middle school and high school or beyond, we are all on mission. And so my challenge to you, if there is a challenge, is to start, to go, uh, to get up and start walking. Because the more steps we take, the more we follow the easier it's going to get. And I am so excited what God is going to do for all of us in this next season and what that holds um, for us as a church, but also you all individually. Um, I'm so excited to see what God's going to do.